From the Political Science Department at UW-Madison, I'm Adam Wigger. I'm Mia Wagner. And I'm Michael Mikowski. In this podcast series, we will speak with UW-Madison faculty members and other experts to hear their thoughts on the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the political and global changes that the situation has warranted. This is 1050 Bascom, COVID-19. As the global pandemic continues to raise questions about the future and stability of the job and internship market, 1050 Bascom is reaching out to successful political science grads to help us navigate these uncertain times. Today, we are excited to interview Delaney Foster, who majored in political science at UW-Madison. Delaney is an account manager in government services at Insight Global in the greater San Diego area. Global Insight is a national staffing and services company that specializes in sourcing information technology, government, accounting, finance, and engineering professionals and delivering service-based solutions to Fortune 1000 clients. We'll ask Delaney to give us more insight into what her company does and how students who may be interested in this career path might go about it. We are grateful to Delaney for taking the time to talk to us today about her own impressive career trajectory and advice she might have for undergrads and recent grads, especially in these uncertain times and, and as someone who works in recruiting professionals across a range of industries. Delaney, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So maybe we can start broadly and talk about your start, if you don't mind, in terms of choosing a major and your time at uh, UW-Madison. What were, what were you thinking in terms of a major um, and sort of how did you navigate entering the job market after getting that political science degree? Yeah, I think choosing my major was exactly, you know, it, it was a similar experience to also navigating the job market. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I ran cross country my freshman year, so I actually had a passion for occupational therapy. So I mm. wanted to be a kinesiology major. Then I realized I had to take OCHEM and quickly <laughs> switch. <laughs> um, kind of bounced around with the idea of the business school, you know, journalism. Uh, I, I took French in high school, so I was like, maybe I want to major in French. Um, and it really was uh, my, my freshman year taking gen eds. I think I took, oh my gosh, I think it was history 120, like European history, and like a poli sci 100 class. And honestly, I instantly fell in love. Um, I had no intention of ever being a political science or a history major. I actually preferred math and science in school. I didn't really like my English classes mm -hmm. and you know, poli-sci history, it's a lot of reading and writing. Um, so I just kind of fell in love. And I think a lot of that is a testament to the you know, departments at Wisconsin and the professors that I had. I was just so fascinated. So um, eventually landed on political science and history, kind of taking more courses in the humanitarian intervention, uh, uh, mass atrocities, genocide realm, which again is just- Probably had a class you know, with Scott Strauss. Oh, I love Scott Strauss. <laughs> yeah. I, took, I think I took like three classes with him. He probably doesn't know this, but he was one of my favorite professors actually. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, so it was kind of just, it was one of those things where I kept a really open mind. I, I tried a lot of different things. I 
um, you know, was lucky enough where I came into college with enough AP credits where I was able to try out a different, you know, a couple different courses to graduate in four years still. Um, and, and yeah, landed on political science and history. And I think the same goes for me navigating the job market post-college. I, you know, had marketing internships. Um, again, didn't really think I would uh, land in, in government work necessarily. I dabbled with the idea of law school, which I think is common for people with our major. Um, dabbled with sales, marketing, journalism again. Uh, thought I wanted to go into editorial work at one point. Um, and then just really kept an open mind. And it was actually a good friend of mine um, that was a, a history major as well, that uh, she graduated a year before me, worked uh, for Insight Global out of the Minneapolis office for us. And one day she sent me a weird text message and was like, hey, I you know love this company I'm working for. I think you would be really great at it and really enjoy it. And then within 30 minutes, I had an email from a talent acquisition, you know, specialist for the company, uh, had a couple conversations and then just throughout the interview process, fell in love with the company. And now, now I'm here. So <laughs> it's been definitely quite the journey. Right. And maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the work that you actually do at Insight Global. Um, what does like a typical workday look for you there? Yeah, so for people who aren't super familiar with like recruiting agencies, so we are a professional services organization. So we specialize in uh, staff augmentation um, for Fortune 1000 clients and uh, government agencies. So within the government and the uh, public sector, we're also in, uh, you know, intelligence, civilian, defense. Um, and, you know, we do staff augmentation manage services, so we manage anything like, you know, app dev projects, migrations, call centers, all that good stuff. Um, and then I'm in our uh, government division, which is kind of a blend of the two. So I actually do government subcontracting for uh, the DOD is the government agency that I do the most work in, specifically in San Diego, it's uh, supporting the Navy here. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, so just because NAVWAR's headquarters are here. Mm -hmm. Uh, so in terms of like a day to day, I, I am in sales, it's a sales job, um, where uh, essentially I maintain relationships with fortune 1000 companies, uh, that bid on programs to support the government. So the government essentially outsources, you know, everything out, um, and has companies, uh, manage, you know, acquisition, project management to technical solutions for, you know, the different government agencies. Um, and I help these companies win those programs. And then we support them when it comes to actually staffing the technical professionals uh, that would be on site. So like a network engineer supporting the network for the Navy. Something that like, I've certainly had this concern and I think a lot of parents of political science students also share the concern is finding a job after they graduate, <laughs> but specifically finding a job in the private sector. That's something that I don't think a lot of poli-sci students really see a clear path in. Could you maybe give a little bit of your insight about how to think about carving a pathway in the private sector in business and other industries as a political science and history major? 
Yeah. Um, I can definitely empathize. I think, you know, my parents have always been super supportive of me, but they were like poli sci history. So law school, I guess. <laughs> um, but no, there are so many, so many opportunities for poli sci and history majors. Just, you know, what Wisconsin uh, provides us when it comes to, you know, critical thinking, uh, you know, reading and, and our, our writing ability is applicable to all jobs in, um, you know, the, the private sector. So um, whether somebody wants to go into uh, more sales, marketing, um, even finance, I've had people that have uh, taken on uh, internships, found mentors, and then eventually grew within uh, finance um, to, you know, do passing their uh, series seven exams um, and managing more like insurance. Um, I think the biggest advice I would have for students would be to just keep an open mind and know that knowledge is power. So doing your research. Um, if you are interested in a certain field, so maybe, you know, I'll give marketing as an example, but you weren't in the business school and you weren't a marketing major, um, reach out to college graduates from Wisconsin, reach out to uh, different marketing professionals in the area, you know, add them on LinkedIn, message them, ask them about their day to day, get an understanding of what their job consists of, what the tools and technologies they need in order to effectively do their job. And almost always you're going to see that they're transferable skills, right? So it's just about leveraging what you've learned and the schools uh, or skills and you know, tools you gained from Wisconsin to make them applicable into that job um, is, you know, really, I think the best insight I could provide recent college grads. Yeah. And do you maybe think as someone who's now in the private sector with a career, um, having had those degrees and studied at UW-Madison, what are maybe some skills that students can develop now outside of the classroom to make themselves competitive in the job market? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I would definitely say to utilize your existing network to uh, try to grow and develop your uh, professionalism, I think is something that will take you very far in life. Um, so, you know, a lot of the time, and I, I even struggled with this too, I thought about, well, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do. So do I need to get a, another certification? Do I need to add another major uh, under my belt to make me stand out, make me more competitive? Uh, this is my personal opinion, but more schooling doesn't necessarily equate to a successful career after the fact. Um, you more so, what, what I've learned is the ability to um, you know, be, be articulate, uh, communicate with a team, uh, critically, you know, think with a team to be solutions oriented is applicable in all jobs today. Um, and really practice makes perfect. It's uncomfortable to practice interviewing. It's uncomfortable to, you know, reach out to maybe a faculty member that you were close with and say, Hey, can we do almost like a preliminary interview? Um, just to, you know, practice that skill set. I think the more students are able to step out of their comfort zone and be able to 
handle, you know, critical conversations and uh, hold themselves in a professional manner um, post-college is one of the best skills you could practice and continuously practice that you don't need to, you don't need schooling for it. Yeah, you mentioned developing your networks and like reaching out to folks on LinkedIn. And I know from personal experience as well, that that's something I didn't value as much as, or I didn't know I had to value as much when I was certainly <clears throat> an underclassman. Um, what is your advice for navigating like any networking tips? And I know that's kind of a generic question, but sometimes it seems like it's hard to determine when it's appropriate or when you're comfortable to reach out to someone um, to bring them into your network. So any tips that you have on that? Yeah, I would say to, to be fearless, right? You know, what do you have to lose? If you connect with someone on LinkedIn, they don't connect with you back. So what? Cool. <laughs> um, no, I, I really struggled to figure out what career path I wanted. Uh, after graduation, my senior year, um, I was, uh, you know, an editor on Archive, which is the undergraduate journal of history. Um, and the professor that was our you know, mentor that oversaw our editorial board, I reached out to her and I said, maybe I want to go into editing. She gave me a ton of resources um, to, to reach out to and to research. And when I did that, I realized I didn't want to do it. But I think the immediate network of Wisconsin, if you have TAs, if you have professors, you know, that you, you went to office hours, reach out to them, ask them, ask them about the different industries. Chances are they also have connections in an industry that maybe they're not in. So utilize that to get into that industry that they have a connection with. And then LinkedIn is your best friend. Start researching companies where you're passionate about their mission and what they do. I personally am a big believer in, you know, not necessarily finding a dream job, but finding a dream company because you can find your dream job within a, a dream company. Um, so, you know, researching different companies and then look who the Wisconsin alumni are, you know, it'll say, oh, nine people from your university work here, um, and connect with them, you know, look at those, those individuals. I think, yeah, I can't speak for everybody, but, you know, Wisconsin has, you know, a lot of pride and everybody that graduates a Badger, I think they are willing to help their fellow Badgers. So, uh, doing that as well would be a great resource to, to network um, if you kind of don't know where to start. Right. And this isn't even like professionally as well, but when you get a job, let's say in your case, for example, in San Diego, you move across the country and you're in a new place sometimes. How do you like find a community when you move to a new place? You mentioned like having that Badger family. How did you like navigate that moving to a new place and possibly not knowing anyone there. Oh yeah. Moving's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I moved around a lot when I was a, a kid, so I kind of got used to it, but I think it just goes back to that notion of being fearless and being comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable. Um, and just, you know, the more that you are able to practice again, those crucial conversations, interview prep, meeting different people, introducing yourself to people at networking events in Wisconsin, where it's a little bit more of a, a safer, familiar environment, you'll build those skills so that if you do move on to a new company where you're having to talk to 
high level executives. My clients are all double my age, right? And I deal with them every single day. So, um, and then moving to a new city to, to branch out. It's not as scary if you've practiced it in your environment while you're in college. Again, it's, it's a skill that needs to be practiced. Um, but I would say to just try and get involved in your community. Um, I was pretty involved as a student um, at Wisconsin with the extracurriculars I had going on and then uh, also the jobs that I had. Um, and just doing the same if you move to a new area, um, you know, trying to uh, be involved. I think a job is a great way for people to, to make new friends and then get introduced to people after the fact. All of my friends here, I actually met either through my company or it was a friend of a friend through my company. So just trying to network uh, with what you're exposed to here um, and, and get involved in the community, join a club, um, I don't know, try a hobby that you never normally would try uh, is really the best way to, to network and to meet new people as well. Yeah. Do you uh, notice, like this isn't even necessarily for the recording, but is Midwest nice a thing? Do you notice when you talk to people like <laughs> on the coast, do you notice a difference like culturally with how you approach a conversation? Um, so it's so funny that you asked that because we actually just had this conversation the other day in my office. So Insight Global, we're a very, uh, diverse company when it comes to, uh, the geographic locations across the United States. So we have 55 offices across the U S we're also oh, wow. in Canada and, one of my best friends in the office actually transferred from the Boston office. And it's so funny when they send us to trainings or headquarters in Atlanta, they send people from all over. And it is really funny because you think, you know, all the offices were field offices. They say that it's like a personality to work at our company because we're all very outgoing, but, um, but everybody is, it's, you know, they're different in what area they, they live in and, there, there are cultural differences. Um, I can only speak to California because I moved to San Diego after Wisconsin, but San Diego definitely carries over to the Midwest nice. Everybody here is like the nicest person ever. And I think maybe it's just because it's sem like 70 degrees yeah, and sun the every day. Helps. But yeah, <laughs> everybody's just in a good mood. Um, but no, I think that was a learning curve. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin, uh, so moving outside of Wisconsin, there's always going to be cultural differences. Um, but I think that's the best part about it, right? If you move to a new city, if you're dabbling, you're a recent college grad, you're thinking, eh, you know, I'm scared to kind of move to New York. It's the East Coast. It's completely different. Or maybe I'm nervous to move to Tampa, Florida or Austin, Texas. Um, my biggest thing is, I've always lived my life to move and try it because you can always move back. If it doesn't work out, you've gained something from it. Um, but yeah, that's so funny that you say that. But no, there is like a Midwest nice in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned like extracurriculars too. And I think you said you ran cross country for UW. Um, like what are some of the skills that folks can learn from extracurriculars and is that like a valuable use of people's time in college? 
Yeah, I think it's super valuable. I, I only ran cross country my freshman year. Um, I was involved in a lot of different things. I was in uh, Greek life, I rushed to sorority. I was um, heavily involved within my major. So I was a co-editor for archive um, within the history department my senior year. Um, and then I personally needed to make money. So I had three jobs actually throughout college. So I was a fitness instructor for Pure Bar out in Hilldale. Um, I was a field marketing rep for Kind Snacks. So if you've ever seen the the Kind people on campus, that was me. I was the first, or I think I first one. Yeah, I was the first one at Wisconsin. (laughs) Oh, nice. I wonder if I've ever Um, gotten a Kind Bar from you. Like oh, as a freshman walking you probably up probably have. You just you just didn't know it was me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I worked for Kind for I got hired my freshman year, so I worked all of college for them. And then I also did marketing for the graduate hotel chain. Um, so it was a pretty like heavily marketing focused, but uh absolutely. I mean, I think extracurriculars uh, balancing Uh, work, school, or just like doesn't even have to be work, commitment outside of just school, I think is something that can almost be more valuable on a cover letter or a resume than adding another minor or another degree. Um, Because it shows the diverse skills and it shows your ability to juggle a lot of different things rather than doing a lot of the same. Sure. Um... And something else that maybe you've encountered moving to the West Coast or working for such a big company that has reach across the country is students from other universities, sometimes universities that carry a little more weight on the resume. So when you're thinking about advice for students to distinguish themselves from other graduates from top universities around the country, what sorts of advice do you have to like set yourself apart from folks coming maybe out of an Ivy League college? Yeah. Um, this is a question I get all the time. I have family friends. I have uh, even clients that have children that are around my age that send me their resume because I probably see hundreds of resumes a day. Um, the biggest thing is to really, I mean, there's only so many things you can put on a resume, right? Um, to make it stand out. I think the biggest thing is, uh, personality with cover letters. Um, it's kind of like a college admissions essay or, you know, trying to get into a university, right? So it doesn't matter if you have an amazing ACT, SAT score and a good GPA. I think a lot of the times, especially hiring managers today are truly looking for well-rounded people. So even within engineering, you know, it doesn't matter that you necessarily uh, had a a great engineering degree or from a, you know, a reputable school. Um, Do you have soft skills that, you know, maybe an engineering major wouldn't normally have? I think the same goes for, you know, political science major. Um, It's awesome that you, you know, got a poli-sci degree from the University of Wisconsin, Um, But what else did you do while you were in school? What else were you a part of? What else are you passionate about that you can bring to our company that would, you know, feed into the culture of our company, feed into the the mission and the message that we want to project to maybe their clients or their investors or 
their board members, I think are things to just be considerate of when you're submitting cover letters and resumes to hiring managers. It's what can you bring to the table for that company that would, you know, make, make the company better. Yeah, that's interesting you bring up cover letters because that's something that I think gets railed on a lot when I'm in talking to my friends or like people who are looking for jobs. But you're the second person we've interviewed that said cover letters actually matter and like it's a chance to set yourself apart. So it's interesting to have that different approach and like put that value on it. Yeah, I think the, the why behind cover letters is like, you know, it, it shows more of your personality and it shows more of your grit. Um, I think grit is something that is, you know, really valued in the workforce. You, if you're a quick learner, um, you know, you have a degree or a cert that's applicable, that's great. But if you're a gritty person and can persevere and have a strong work ethic, that's what hiring managers look for in interviews. But to get to the interview stage, I think it's adding that personal touch of, again, trying to connect with people on LinkedIn at the company, network with them, message them, say, hey, I actually just sent an application within your department. I'm super passionate about your company for X, Y, and Z reasons. Would you mind if I emailed you my resume and my cover letter? Um, I think just taking it a step further and kind of thinking outside of the box rather than just feeding a resume into a submission online, because they get thousands of applications every single day. Um, is something that would set somebody apart and be more impactful than just, you know, again, applying to a bunch of different companies online and just playing a waiting game. Um, it's really taking your career into your own hands. Yeah, totally. Um, so kind of starting to wrap up here with a question about the pandemic, and I'm sure, I mean, we're navigating it right now doing this over video, um, but I'm sure you specifically in contact with your clients deal with it all the time so what sorts of advice do you have for navigating communication in a time where we're all stuck at home yeah i think that if you're able to do video calls rather than just phone calls it's more impactful it humanizes you you're able to show more of your personality and then just you know remembering to be professional i think it's funny that I have to remind candidates when they're interviewing to not hold your cell phone in front of your face when you're video chatting with a hiring manager. So just maintaining that sense of professionalism, you know, looking presentable, making sure your background is presentable. Um, but then, you know, small talking with them, asking them how they're doing, you know, having questions going into it where you can build rapport with someone through a video chat. I think would humanize the situation and emulate a similar similar experience to you being in a room with them. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so Delaney, given your insight into the industry, maybe what can you let us know about how different industries are handling the pandemic and navigating it? Absolutely. So, you know, uh, by no means am, am I an expert. Um, in you know labor statistics but just having worked in the staffing industry i think what's important to share with you guys and to share with students is just giving you guys the tools to do the research on your own so just being being in the staffing industry obviously um, from our, our company's perspective we know that the you know heavily impacted industries are hospitality and leisure 
um, retail trade, education, and health services. Um, and then some of the other industries where, you know, they're not quite as uh, bad are more utilities, uh, information, financial activities, transportation and warehousing, construction, and government. So, um, you know, obviously thinking about the essential functions, but just keeping that in mind when you're looking into companies. So going back to what I said earlier, of researching a company to um, try and network and figure out, you know, maybe a job within the company, just understanding what they do and what their business functions are and who their end users are, I think is really important, especially in a pandemic to know if you're going into that job or a job interview with job security. Um, so the essential functions are obviously, you know, maintaining today. So like utilities is an essential function within government. The only sectors within government that are heavily impacted are more like local government and education. The federal government hasn't been impacted um, as much. The specific programs that I support, the funding is already set aside and it's awarded, you know, years ago. So um, just, just going into that with an understanding of what uh, what company, whatever company you're trying to send an application to or interview with, understanding their business functions to see if there would be job security with that. And then really using your resources. So uh, things that you can research, the Bureau of Labor Statistics comes out with like a monthly review of the different industries that are heavily impacted by COVID-19. Um, they have statistics about what specific jobs within each industry is uh, trending layoffs and heavily impacted by it. Um, so those are all really resourceful tools to um, just keep yourself up to date and um, knowledgeable on when you're applying for jobs so that you can point yourself in a direction that would, you know, end you with a job and be more successful rather than just like blindly applying everywhere and hoping for the best. Yeah, and sort of as these lines between work and leisure become blurred as our physical spaces converge into one. What's worked for you in terms of keeping like a healthy work-life balance and what advice do you have to folks entering the job market of navigating that? Yeah, that's so funny that you say that. Um, it, it's, it's actually been harder to have a work-life balance, which is funny because I'm never unplugged uh, when I'm working from home because my office is here. So it's a little bit harder. One of my other clients was actually just telling me the other day that they had their most productive April ever. Uh, in terms of revenue, they didn't drop at all. They gained uh, revenue okay. because all of their employees are able to work remote. They're all healthy and none of them are taking time off and they're working more hours. Hmm. So um, it, it's, I think for me, what I've been able to do the last couple of months that was a learning curve in the beginning from going remote, um, is to just really make sure that you unplug. There's a sleep mode, you know, on your phone where past a certain time you're not getting your email notifications. Um, or even just turning off the notifications on your phone. It's as simple as that, you know, past a certain time. Making sure that you're uh, taking uh, breaks throughout the day, actually. Some people, you know, I'm the type of person where 
I, I thought it would be better if I sat in one spot and just powered through, but um, they've actually seen a positive correlation with people taking, you know, a 10 minute walk, uh, you know, every other hour to just reset, refresh. Um, so you're not, you know, spinning your wheels sitting in one spot. So I think it's just important to, you know, set time aside for yourself. If you're someone that likes to work out, set a specific time um, that you will commit to that and work out and try and stay to a routine. So waking up in the morning, still doing what you normally would do in a routine of maybe it's working out or maybe it's reading a book or watching the news with a cup of coffee or whatever it could be, just trying to stick to that and then trying to unplug after certain times um, has been really helpful for me. Great. And as we wrap up here, is there anything else you'd like to share or final bits of wisdom you could share for our undergraduate students now? Yeah, I think just, you know, final offering to recent graduates is just know it's okay. You don't need to have everything figured out. I'm two years out of school. I love my job. I love my company but it, it doesn't mean that this is my career path forever. <laughs> I think I kind of felt like I had to have it all figured out. Uh, the, whatever career I chose after college, that's the career you have for life. It's, that's not the case. You can change at any time. Um, I, I, my advice would be to keep an open mind and uh, to research and educate yourself so that you can do a process of elimination rather than a process of you know, batting 100 and picking the perfect job immediately, because that's very rare. Um, so just keeping an open mind, you know, staying informed, uh, connecting on, on LinkedIn, using your network to educate yourself, I think will, you know, be more impactful for students. Great. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Delaney. That was a lot of great advice. And I think undergrads will find it very useful. Um, so thanks for being on the podcast and we hope to stay connected with you at the department. Yeah. From the political science department at UW-Madison, I'm Adam Wigger. I'm Mia Wagner. And I'm Michael Mikowski. In this podcast series, we will speak with UW-Madison faculty members and other experts to hear their thoughts on the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the political and global changes that the situation has warranted. This is 1050 Bascom, COVID-19. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For more information regarding the podcast, please visit polisci.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. For more information on the university's policies and responses to the pandemic, please visit covid19.wisc.edu. You can find more episodes on all streaming platforms. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, and subscribe. Thanks for listening to 1050 Bascom COVID-19. Stay safe and take care of each other.